Today's proposal sets our plans to de-risk rather than to decouple our economic uh, interdependencies and to assert our position as a leader in the global technology race. To achieve this, we cannot afford to be fragmented. When we don't act together, we're a playground. When we do act together, we're a player. That was the voice of Margrethe Vestager, Executive Vice President of the European Commission. She was speaking in Brussels a few weeks ago with a message very much targeted at EU member states, urging them to stick together on the planned European Economic Security Strategy. And that is the topic of today's MLEX podcast. Welcome aboard. I'm James Paniki, Senior Editor on MLEX's Asia Desk, coming to you from the LexisNexis offices in Melbourne, Australia. It's great to have your company. Now, the idea of creating rules to curb EU outbound investment is a tricky one for EU institutions. After years of promoting market liberalisation and international trade, this initiative sounds like it's, if not heading in the opposite direction, at the very least injecting a note of caution. But such is the evolving global landscape with investment in sensitive technologies, in particular those with military applications, now raising real concerns. At the heart of these new rules lies the hope that the capital, research, expertise and knowledge of EU companies isn't used to fuel technological advances that could enhance foreign military and intelligence capabilities. China and Russia aren't mentioned explicitly, but those are certainly the big kids in this current geopolitical playground that are creating the most concern for the EU. Joanna Sapinska is an MLEX senior correspondent covering trade and investment from Brussels, and she's with us now. So, um, Joanna, firstly, what is the EU economic security strategy all about? Hi, James. This is the first economic security strategy in the history of the EU. The European Commission, the EU's executive arm, which drafted the document, believes that the bloc urgently needs a clear plan how to shape the course of events instead of reacting to them. The main concern is the weaponization of the economic interdependencies by the foreign countries, which, for example, are limiting access to their critical raw materials. And this is why the Commission is proposing the strategy just now. It says that the objective is to de-risk the bloc's economic relationships with assertive countries rather than decouple from them. The idea is to keep the bloc open to fair competition, but at the same time effectively address certain risks. The strategy identifies four of them. The risk to supply chains, to critical infrastructure, the risk of technology leakage and the risk of economic coercion. But this is just an assumption. Now the Commission needs to assess based on facts and figures where the risks really are, what's their magnitude and how to address them. And was I right in my introduction to say that this strategy isn't officially targeting any country in particular, right? So it, it doesn't name any names. Well, no, in theory not. The Commission said the strategy is country agnostic, which means that in principle, it applies to all foreign countries. But it also said that it would use a geopolitical filter when assessing the bloc's security risks and uh, admitted that China and Russia are the two obvious candidates to which such a filter could apply. Uh, this new rhetoric follows the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen's speech in March, in which she said for the first time that the EU needs, needed to de-risk its economic relationship with China. 
The new approach was needed, she said, to address China's increasingly assertive actions and the explicit fusion of its military and commercial uh, commercial sectors. Now, what tools does the Commission want? I mean, other than the geopolitical filter that you just mentioned, but what tools does the Commission want to manage the security risks? Well, the idea is to have a robust framework to assess and effectively manage the risks. The Commission wants to enforce more rigorously the already existing tools for protecting its data and technologies, so expect more uh, decisions similar to the one from last month when uh, where the Commission called for an EU-wide ban on using the Chinese giant Huawei to build the bloc's uh, 5G networks. It also wants to strengthen the, the existing tools, such as the bloc's export controls regime for dual-use goods, those that can be used for civilian and military purposes. It says the enforcement of those controls should be more unified across the EU uh, countries. As for the new uh, ideas, the Commission is proposing to establish a special mechanism for vetting EU outbound investments in sensitive technologies which are going to assertive foreign countries. Okay, so tell us a bit more about the proposed outbound investment vetting mechanism. How would that work? While many EU uh, countries have already created special regimes to police foreign investments coming into the economies, the Commission has been saying since March that greater attention is needed for the EU outbound investments. It argues that the company's capital, the research, expertise and knowledge shouldn't be used to fuel technological advances of countries that may use them to undermine peace and security. The Commission pledged, therefore, uh, to come up by the end of this year with a proposal for a special EU vetting regime. But it stopped short of saying what legal design it may have. Informally, the Commission officials say that they may use the EU export controls regime as a template. Under such a system, EU businesses would have to comply with license requirements when investing their capital abroad. And here is where the problem starts, because uh, the EU investors are completely against the idea. Business Europe, the main uh, lobby group for EU businesses, warns that the vetting mechanism could undermine the bloc's competitiveness, as no other country except for South Korea is policing the outbound investments. Some EU governments, such as Germany and some EU lawmakers, are also sharing these concerns. So uh, the idea is really facing quite a strong pushback for, from major players in the EU. Okay, well, given that background, given that pushback, where do we go from here? I mean, what's next? Does this strategy require formal approval or can it be implemented immediately? No, the strategy itself is a non-legislative act, which means that uh, it doesn't require formal approval by governments uh, and lawmakers. But the Commission might need to win the support from those institutions for the proposals included in the paper. Uh, the political discussions have already started, uh, with EU leaders briefly reviewing the strategy at their summit in Brussels. And once uh, the proposals are on the table later this, this year, legislative talks between EU governments and law lawmakers will also start. 
but um, many experts doubt that uh, they could uh, be completed before the European Parliament elections in June next year and the appointment of a new commission in November. Joanna, thank you for all of your work on this issue. It was great talking today. Thanks, James. Joanna Sapinska is an MLEX senior correspondent covering trade and investment from Brussels and we'll post a link to Joanna's most recent reporting on this issue at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. You'll see a tab called News Hub. That's where you need to be for all of the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis. We need to leave it there for today. The MLEX podcast is produced and presented by me, James Paniki. Our quietly confident marketing team in London gets the program online and into your ears every week. And our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From all of us here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now.